Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning, we are going to continue our series that we've been looking at, talking about our belief systems, the things that we believe to be true. And I'm just going to give you the quick promo before I give you the quick recap, before I give you the shorter than usual message. No one said amen. I'm happy to hear that. When we are looking at our lives, when we're looking at what it is that God is building in us, and when we're looking at what our future looks like, it is so critical that we know what we're building our life upon. We have to know our foundation is Jesus, that the reason that we live and breathe, the reason that we have meaning in our lives is because of his death and resurrection. But on top of that, that foundation, we have to know the truth that we build our life on. Number one, you are known by God. If there's any place in your life where you feel like there is a distance between you and God because you have been too ashamed to let him in, you have to know this, that you're known by God. That there is no barrier, that there is no wall, that there is nothing that you could put up to stop God from seeing you and knowing you intimately. But we have to be willing to tear down any of those places that prevent us from connecting with who he is. You are known by God. There is a word spoken over your life from heaven. And that is the word that needs to become the reality in your life. Number two, I am loved. You are loved by God. We asked last week, can you actually fulfill the greatest commandment to love God, to love others, and to love yourself if you don't know that you are first loved? Can you become the man or the woman that God has created you to be if you don't know that there is a God and a Savior who died because of his great love for you? That he loves you deeply and intimately. And that because of this love, you are a son or a daughter. The moment that you said yes to Jesus, that you became adopted into the family of God. We also have to be aware how the enemy wants to attack us. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what's the question that Satan asked Jesus? He said, if you are the Son of God, not if you are the Messiah, not if you are the Christ, not if you are the one foretold by prophecy for thousands of years, he said, if you are the Son, how does the enemy attack us? By questioning our sonship. By questioning, are you really a son or a daughter of God? Look at your past. Look at what you've done. Look at all your failings. Can you really be a child of God? See, this is why it's so important that we know that we are known by God and that we are loved by God. But the thing is, we don't want to stop there. As incredible as those truths are, we cannot stop at the place of salvation. We cannot stop at the place of knowing that God knows who I am and that he loves me because who knows that God has a purpose for your life that is greater than just saying yes to him through a prayer or one time at a church that God has created you to be able to impact the world that we live in with his gospel, with his goodness, and with his love. There is something that we are called to do, and I wish that we get a few more amens when we say those things because it is so important that we understand this truth. We are here for a reason. A lot better. Still have some work to do, but a lot better. 
You see, we don't want to stop there because we know that our walk with God is a journey. This incredible action today of being baptized, it was part of a journey. It was an act of obedience to say yes to God. This is our life with God is that we are continuing day by day, month by month, season by season, year by year to say, God, I know that you have a purpose for my life. And my desire is to honor you by pursuing what you have for me. The question that I ask today is kind of along the lines of, can you love if you haven't first been loved? It's, if you are going to pursue the purpose that God has for you, can you do so without first knowing that you have a purpose? If you're going to continue to move towards God, if you're not going to just stop at the moment of salvation and you're going to continue to pursue Him, can you do so unless you know that He created you intentionally? That He made you with a purpose? He made you with a specific set of of characteristics and, and qualities and gifts and talents? You see, you have to know this today, that, that you are known and you are loved, but you are also called. You are called by God. But when I say called, I think sometimes we say words like this and we don't really think about what they fully mean. We have Christianese words sometimes where there's this vague idea, like there's this ethereal plan that God has for us, like this blueprint, and and we're just trying to aimlessly walk around and find it. And if we try hard enough, then we're going to fulfill the plan that God has for our lives. This is not what it means to be called. We're going to talk about more about the specifics. We're going to answer a couple of questions that might come up when we talk about being called. But what I want us to hear first and foremost is to be called by God means that you have purpose. That in God, you have purpose. That every person in this room, every person watching online, that you were not created by accident. That God does not do things by accident. So when we're we're talking about purpose here today, very often there are two verses that I know that we go to very often. And they're both found in the book of Jeremiah. And I would venture to say that a lot of us in this room could probably quote them here today. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 first. Okay? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That is true of every one of us. That before the moment of conception where life begins, God knew us. And guess what? He hasn't forgotten about you. And number two, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. See, there's a good reason why we look at these verses. They give us an excitement. They give us an an anticipation, a confidence of knowing that God knows us. And not just does he know us, but he's created us with a purpose. So when he says this to Jeremiah, he's speaking to him first as an individual. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And then he speaks to the nation of Israel. He speaks to the nation of Israel. 
And he speaks life into them. He speaks hope into them. The thing that we have to see about God when we're talking about calling and purpose, maybe above all else though, is to know that God once again does not do anything ever by accident. And not just not by accident, but he does so with great intention. I can't say that enough. Can I tell you that God is not sitting, sitting in heaven thinking, man, I'm bored today. I created the earth. I created the sun, the sky, the moon, the stars a million times over. I've created galaxies and solar systems. But I'm a little bit bored, so I'm just going to create more human beings because they're fun to watch. Has anyone ever got stuck in one of those like YouTube or like those viral reels of like fails, like where people are doing things and hurting themselves? Okay, not too many of you. I, I, when I watch one of those, I just can't turn away. And I feel like sometimes God might just do that because he doesn't need TikTok to do it. He just look down, pause, rewind, fast forward, see all the crazy stuff. But, but God doesn't make human beings because he is bored and he has nothing else to do. God created you because he knew you, because he loved you, because he called you, because he formed you, because there was something about you There was something about the individual that he made you to be that was going to reflect God like nobody else in the past, the present, or the future. That there is something unique about you, and it's not just your fingerprint, and it's not just your DNA, that there is a way that you uniquely represent God like no one else ever could. So God has given you a purpose. He's given you uh, pursuits. He's given you things on your heart. He's given you answers to questions that the world needs. He's given you solutions for problems. He's given you the ability to not just know there is a God, to not just know that he knows you and loves you, but to know that you have a purpose here in this life, that there is a purpose that God has called you to be, to do, and that you bring something to the table that nobody else can. When we look at the story of Jeremiah, and we look at these amazing words that are spoken. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I think it's really important for us to know a little bit more about the life of Jeremiah. To know the time that these words are spoken. To know when it is that God is speaking these words. Because we read these words in Jeremiah 1.5 and we get really excited because, because God knows us. But do we know where Jeremiah was when he heard these words? When we read these first words, his response very quickly is very, it's very uh, predictable. He says, but God, in verse 6, I can't, I'm only a youth. We see this throughout the scriptures. God shows up, says, this is what you're going to do. And the first response is like, I don't think so. Not me. I don't know how that's going to happen. You see, Jeremiah was like a teenager. He was a very young man. And it wasn't just that he was young. That wasn't his only cause for apprehension. He also knew that when God said, I've appointed you as a prophet to the nations, he knew the nation he was living in, and he knew how hard this call was going to be. The nation of Israel, when Jeremiah is called, is not a nation that is serving God. It's a nation that serves God sometimes, but then serves the gods of every other nation the rest of the time. That they serve God on one day and they they even offer children as sacrifices to gods that are demonic forces being brought in by other nations. They have walked away 
from their identity as the chosen people and the children of God. And Jeremiah, I think, hears these words and he's like, oh man, this is not going to go well. There are going to be some people who are not going to be excited to hear these words. See, Jeremiah hears these words. He, he says, okay, well, I don't think that I'm able, but God responds to him in verses 7 through 10. It says, the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver them, declares the Lord. Let's just read that verse again. Let's read it for ourselves for a moment. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. When God calls us, he doesn't leave us. When he gives us a purpose, he doesn't say figure it out. He says, don't be afraid because I am with you. If you look at the circumstances, you're going to be afraid. But when you know that I'm with you. Now, I I recognize that these words alone do not change everything in our lives. It's like someone say, oh, don't worry about it. Well, thanks. It's all going to be okay. Appreciate that. That's great. But obviously, this is God speaking. And when God speaks these words, these are not just words on a page. In the words that God speaks, he is giving the ability to change the narrative, to shift the perception, and to understand that whatever I'm up against, I am not in it alone, that the God of heaven and earth walks with me. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like we need the supernatural element of that to become real to us. To not just hear the words as beautiful as they are, but to allow them to sink in, to meditate on them, to stand on them, to recognize in our time of worship, even when it's difficult, as that song said, even when it's yes or no or or not right now, even in the moments that are so difficult, can we stay in those moments? Can we worship God anyway? And can we say, God, I am not going to be afraid. I'm going to choose to not be afraid because I know that you're with me. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. God is changing. He's shifting the perception. I don't know what you're standing up against today, but I do know this, that if God is with you, he has equipped you. He is preparing you. He has given you what you need in the moment, in the circumstance, in the midst of the trial, and that it's with him that you are going to be able to walk out the other side of this knowing that it was for your purpose and your benefit, not to tear you down, not to harm you, but to give you the hope and the future that you need. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. To know these words... To stand on these words, we have to know once again that we are known and we are loved. To know that there is no excuse that we could ever come up with that God's going to be like, oh, you know what? You're right. Like, you know, I, I didn't think about that. There is that thing in your life, well, I guess I can't use you. I'm going to move on to the next person. 
God knows it all. There's a word that he has spoken. Remember this, there's a word that God has spoken. And that is the word that has the greatest relevance in your life. And you are loved. God himself has an incredible investment in your life. God himself has an incredible investment in your life. The blood of Jesus that was shed on your behalf. It was not for you to simply exist, but it was for you to know that you have a purpose, that God has called you by name. So the question that I want to ask today is what is required of us? Because when we know that we have a purpose, we know that there is something for us to pursue, how do we do it and what does it look like? I don't know about everyone in this room, but sometimes I think when we talk about a call, there is equal parts excitement and equal parts fear. There's the excitement that I've been called by God, and much like Jeremiah, there's the, oh no, what is this going to cost me? I'm glad that you guys are so holy today that no one ever thinks of those things. I want to talk about what it means to be called. I want to talk about what some of these, how some of this fear might come in. And once again, I want to allow the Holy Spirit, if there's places inside of us that we believe things about what God has called us to do, that he would bring the alignment here today. Once again, we don't want to be vague about this term called. Being called is not this mythical thing. Being called, once again, means that you have purpose in God. And what I want you to hear today is it means that God is calling out your name and he's saying, you have purpose in me. You want to know how I look at this? When I was a kid, I remember being at my grandma's house a lot and we'd go out and we'd play, be in the neighborhood. But there was a certain point in time where I would hear my voice being called out. 41 Sutton Park Road. I would hear the voice call out. I would recognize the voice. I would know the voice was a voice of love. And I would also recognize that it was going to be in my best interest to listen to that voice that was calling me. When we say we're being called, let's just picture this for a second. The God of the universe, who knows you, who loves you, is calling out to you, outside of time, outside of the circumstances, outside of all of this, and standing there with Jesus, with the blood that was shed from the lamb who was slain, he's calling out and he's saying, I'm calling you with a purpose and I've prepared something for you. Come. This is what a calling is. It's God calling out to us because he has prepared something for us. Do we believe that today? Okay, we're working on it. To be called means to know that God has made you on purpose, with purpose. He's made us on purpose, with purpose. And when we know this, yes, there is a choice to be made. There's a response that we're called to have. It's a question whether or not we're going to say yes or no. It's the ability to trust in the midst of things that are uncertain. But the first question we have is, what is answering this call going to mean for me? I want everyone to listen here today because there might be some of us that we're not paying attention up to this point and you might want to listen now. Because the question is, when I'm called by God, what do I have to give up? 
Now, we don't want to, you know, admit that that's the case, but let's be honest. I've spent time talking to a lot of my friends. I've witnessed the people on the job site, and I've said, okay, God loves you. He knows you, and he wants to to bring you into this place of relationship with him. It's a beautiful thing, and not just that, but that when you say yes to him, your, your future, your eternity is established in heaven. It's beautiful. It's amazing, and all they hear is, all right, but what do I have to stop doing? Do I have to, to stop living with my girlfriend? Do I have to stop uh, doing the drugs? Do I have to stop drinking? Do I have to? And I'm like, can you just focus a little bit? There's another side of this. I know it's hard to see in the moment, but God is calling you to something greater, something more amazing, something beautiful. But maybe just maybe they're waiting to see it lived out in our lives first. That wasn't in my notes. That's just a aside. The question is, what am I going to have to give up? The question when I was growing up, am I going to have to go be a missionary to the Amazon? When I met my wife, Jamie, she was trying to run away to be a missionary. I said, no, 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 just hang out for a little bit longer. God has a plan and purpose for your life. I see a wedding in your future. The question becomes... What is God going to call me to do? Is it going to be scary? Is it going to require a lot out of me? We get worried about what it's going to cost us. Now, the answer to that question is, I don't know if God's going to call you to be a missionary to the Amazon. He might. There might be something else, and it may not be the thing that you've thought of. But I do know this, that God has called you with a purpose. That if God is calling you to it, it's because he's designed you and he's created you for it. Can you put your trust in him. We have to have a grid and a context for what God is offering. Ephesians 2.7 calls it the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's the ability to see what is eternal and not to be so focused on the things that are passing away. This present form that is passing away is, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7.31. The second question is this. When we say we're being called, are we talking about one specific thing with no deviation of any kind? When we say we're being called, is it one purpose, one direction, a yes, a no, a left, or a right? This college or that one? This career or that one? Is it this, this one thing, this one track that I'm meant to go after? And my first question is this. Why are we so willing to limit God? Why are we so willing to say, God, you could only do it one way? Are there times where God calls us to go a specific direction, to do a specific thing at a specific time, and the answer is very clear? Absolutely, yes. Except for the times where he doesn't. There are times where there is a very great clarity in what God's calling us to do, except for the other times where he's saying, I've called you, I've equipped you, I've given you passions, desires, dreams. I've placed these things inside of you. What are you going to do with them? Sometimes we just want a formula. A formula is easy. A list of do's and don'ts, that's the easy part. But what does the word say in Romans chapter 8, verse 14? Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. 
There is an active relationship between us and him, and there are going to be times where he's going to say, this is the way. This is the decision. And there's going to be other times where he's going to say, and this is the analogy I used before, when you're on the airplane and the seatbelt light comes off, you're not supposed to go jump off the airplane, but it does mean that you can move freely about the cabin. That you could get up, that you can move, you could stretch your legs, you can go get a drink. There is freedom. But in God, there is such a greater understanding of the freedom when we understand that the parameters are his word and his truth, the nature of God, what he has spoken. And in that nature, often, we have the ability to move freely. I don't think you're convinced about this. Genesis chapter 2, so we're going to go back to the very beginning and look at Adam and Eve, okay? And just specifically Adam right here. Adam chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Clear direction. This is what you're supposed to do. Okay? Adam, you're here. Go to the garden, work it, and take care of it. Four verses later, we get to verse 19. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals, all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so we have the clarity of you are called to work the ground to take care of the garden. And then it says that God took the animals to Adam and and waited to see what Adam was going to name them. Do we see the freedom in this? That he said, what what are you going to name them? And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. There is a clear word from God very often, this is what you're called to do. And there's also the understanding of what it means to be a son or a daughter in relationship. We get afraid of calling sometimes because we think it has to look this way and surely it's going to mean that I'm going to live in poverty as a destitute monk buried away somewhere. That I'm never going to have anything that I want. That for the young kids in here and everyone else, oh, I'm not married yet, so, you know, like, I'm not going to get to do these things. God is not the God of saying, no, you can't do anything. Do we know who God is as a father? Do we know his nature? Now, maybe growing up, your experience was different, either in church, in religion, or maybe with your own father. But can I tell you that my heavenly father is a good father? If he asks for bread, is he going to give him a serpent? He's a good God. Sometimes we have to recalibrate. And we get fearful. Uh Uh-oh, a message like this means everyone's going to do whatever they want. No, that's not what grace is. Once again, just in case you haven't been here in a little while, this is your first time. This is the standard. The standard is a high standard. Okay, we're not called to come underneath it. But through the grace of God, we're called to meet it. But in that place, the body of Christ has sometimes remained dormant and inactive when God is saying, go into the workplace, go into the places of government, go into the places of entertainment, go into the places where it seems like God is not and bring my light. That is what we are called to do, but we only do so when we know that we are known, loved, and we are called.
All right, we're going to answer this next one a little bit quicker. It's a little bit dangerous, though. What about the person that we are called to marry? Does God call us to marry a specific person at a specific time for a specific reason? I would say yes, except for when he doesn't. We don't have time to fully dive into this, and and one day we will. But I want to say it this way. And I'm, I'm open for the comments afterwards. That's fine. Not now. Send an email. But maybe just maybe, maybe just maybe the Holy Spirit is more concerned about us not marrying the Mr. Wrong or Mrs. Wrong than he is about us marrying Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Now, what I mean by this is, is we see what happens in the time of emotion, in the time of love, and, and I'm head over heels, and, and this is the person I'm meant to be with, and, and the times where the guy goes across the room and speaks to the girl that he's never met and said, God told me I'm going to marry you. And they're like, ah, he didn't tell me that. <laughs> but when we're in community, when we have friends and people around us that love us and love Jesus, you know that God wants to speak through them too? Sometimes we're going to miss it. We don't see it clearly. And they're like, hey, you are missing something really big over here. Like, I know that love is blind and you're not looking at any of this stuff, but maybe, maybe just listen to the people around you and know that God wants to, to work in your marriage. And I want to say this too, because I think it's important to say this. When you are in the place of marriage and you've said yes to that person, even in the places of brokenness and challenges and when things get hard and they're not easy, I don't want you to go back and question, was this Mr. Wrong or Mrs. Wrong? I want you to understand that the grace of God is available for you in that place, in that relationship, to restore what is broken. I want us to learn how to operate. I want to, for myself, to operate in a place with such dependence on the Holy Spirit that it's not the fear of yes or no, but it's, God, what are you saying? I grew up with a grandmother who prayed for me every night when I was with her, and I'm pretty sure when I wasn't, for the wife that I would have. And I believe with all my heart, and I know that Jamie is the result of those prayers and the faith that my grandma prayed. So I want you to hear me today. I'm not saying that God can't have the perfect person for you. But trust him. Pray. Ask. Seek. This is what I pray for my kids all the time. That the person that God is is bringing into their life, that they would be ready. That both of them would be ready. That they would be pure and spotless. That they would save themselves for that moment. But that God would work in their life to bring them into the place of of this is the person that's going to help you walk into the fullness of what I've called you into. You see, it's not always one, two, three, boom, 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 this is what it's going to be. Sometimes there's a little bit of, of, of multiple things going on. God calls Jeremiah to be the prophet to Israel and also to the other nations. God calls uh, Jeremiah to be the prophet that speaks judgment and also brings hope. God has the ability to move us in the direction that he is calling us to walk in when we trust and know that he has a purpose, that he loves us, that he has called us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Psalm chapter 32, verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. What a beautiful verse. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The final question that I want to answer here today is what if I've missed it? What if I had a purpose, but it's in my past? What if I've screwed up too badly? What if there was something God called me to do? That was in my younger days. What if God knows exactly where you are? God knows exactly what you've been through. What if God knows exactly what you've experienced, exactly what you've, what you've felt, what you've heard, what you've walked in, and he wants to use every single one of those things to fulfill his purpose for his glory? What if God was able to take a 90-year-old woman named Sarai and give her a child even when she laughed at him when he said that's what was going to happen? What if God is able to take us at any point in time and to use our lives to do something amazing because of how good he is and that the word says that nothing is impossible for him? Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7 says, Instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy even in the places where we've missed it, even in the places where we've fallen short. Do you know that today is a new new day and his mercy is new every morning? I don't care where you are in life. If you have what's looked at as a whole life to live or you're on the, the, the latter part of your life, whoever you are and everywhere in between, God wants to use your life to do something amazing. Now, I want to just specify this for a second. Amazing is the word that I want to use because whatever God does, it's amazing. And no matter what it looks like, if it's to reach one more person with the gospel, that's amazing. If it's to pray every day for your children and your grandchildren, that's amazing. If it's to go out and it's to witness to the lost, that's amazing. If it's to write a book or to start a blog or to do a podcast or to follow him into the places that seem unknown, guess what? It's amazing because it's God doing it. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Last thing here today. Your purpose is not only found in Christ, but it belongs to Christ. When we know that our purpose belongs to Christ... Guess who is responsible to bring it to completion? Jesus. It's not in your ability. It's not in your strength. 
It's not in everything that you could do right and, and do perfect. It's in your ability to rely fully on him, to say yes. Jesus, yes. Whatever you're calling me into, I'm saying yes to you because I know that you hold my future. And if you hold my future, I can let go of everything else.